You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Hey, Dan, you're looking really good on that yeah. video screen down there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for How did our... you talk me into video? I'm going to hide behind my pop filter. <laughs> for our viewers, uh, thank you for bearing with us as we are transferring into the world of video. We're just playing around with different things in the studio, and it's kind of like when we began the Get Real podcast uh, with audio. It was kind of bumpy if you go back and you listen to those first few editions with the little Tascam recorder we had, and here we are with this now. Uh, we're moving forward, playing around with new things and going to see how this develops and folds out. But I'm excited that we're doing video now as well. It's really exciting, really exciting. So I need to date stamp this edition. And as you know, when I date stamp things, that means something strange has been going on. So today is Sunday, July 26, 2020. And Dan, I'd like to share with you the July 23rd headline from the New York Times. Okay. No longer in shadows, Pentagon's UFO unit will make some findings <laughs> public. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, I said, well, all we need now is the aliens to arrive? <laughs> Have you seen the meme? I, I haven't seen about? it, okay. no. There, there's this meme, and it's got like an alien from like the movie Alien. So it's a guy sitting on a park bench, but dressed like that right and he's sitting next to another one and he goes yeah they say um something like uh we're up after the murder hornets or whatever <laughs> 2020 is just here like, we go well you remember when uh, you had your landscaping business and i was working for you when you had the landscaping company like okay that's a billion years billion ago. billion years ago and i had my baseball cap that had the ruined lawn on it with the ufo that said aliens ruined my lawn and it had a little green person i would have never remembered that that was my excuse for really bad landscaping skills <laughs> <laughs> no you have too many allergies you're like rocking like spreading pine straw in the low country and turn it like, into a giant hive you know walking yeah, in the low country yeah, so Here's what it says in this article. Basically, it covers the fact that there have been materials retrieved and studied from unknown craft that have crashed. Well, let's go back a minute. Just a few months ago and a few years ago, the news was telling us that there is no UFO unit in the Pentagon. Remember that? That it doesn't exist. But, whoa, lo and behold, it exists, people. Here it is. But there have been materials that have been recovered from crashes. And if you study the Area 51 uh, Roswell crash and you go back and you listen to the original radio broadcast that came out right when that happened, the reports were that a UFO crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. And then it became what a weather balloon. Weather, weather balloon. Exactly. So there was all sorts of confusion behind it. Uh, purposely so. It is time, everybody, to don the tinfoil. The t uh, oh, I look pretty good with that. Yeah, on, you do. I? Yeah, yeah that, that works. Sporting the tinfoil hat. Yeah, it's your... Well, we probably... Listen, 
I vacillate like when it comes to conspiracy theories, which aren't really, it's not like entertainment. If you believe the official narrative, you may have a few issues. You know, if you just plug in <laughs> CNN and be like, okay, thank you. I believe you. everything yeah, you say. I, it's just like they're lying about everything, right? From carbs, sugars, spinach. It's not a superfood. No. It was a typo. No. Carrots does not help your eyesight either. That's a <laughs> well, lie. I don't know. I've been all over the place with the whole UFO thing. I think it's us. I, I don't know that I believe that. I, I used to be like, well, it's probable, but now my cosmology is in flux. <laughs> and I don't know what I really believe. All I know is NASA's not telling me the truth. I, I, I don't know. I just... I need my whoopee. You do. I'm going to protect my coffee. There you go. So here's a quote from Eric W. Davis in the article. He's an astrophysicist and he's worked on the UFO program since 2007. All right, Eric, don't let me down. All right. So this is what Eric says. Hold on to your seats, everybody. In some cases, the examination of the materials had so far failed to determine their source. Talking about Roswell. Any of the materials that they've picked up that have crashed. Oh, okay. There, There have been several. There have been several. This has led him to conclude we couldn't make it ourselves. The material. The, that, okay, that, they that they've recovered. picked up. Yeah, but what level clearance is Eric, right? Do That's you trust a good Eric? question. Eric could be uh, somebody who works at the New York Times down in the basement. He could be like that guy in office space. Oh, in New York Times. That didn't help either. I mean, he's <laughs> my <like>, stapler. <laughs> I was told I could listen to my radio at a reasonable volume. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how this unfolds. So then, July 18th, CNN headline. I really don't like quoting these different news sources. Mm, but this, New York Times, this, CNN, then, you're on a roll, I am brother. on a roll. Well, quote Jabba the Hutt. You'll be in better... <laughs> You owe me money, Solo. It'd be in better standing, man, with me at least. (laughs) So here we go. This is the CNN headline on July 18th. A swarm of flying ants stretched for miles over the UK and looked like rain on weather radar. A swarm of flying ants that was big enough for miles and wound up being seen on weather radar in the UK. So here's, I did not know this. This is actually a summer tradition in Britain. We're going to have to call our friend Peter and see if this is really true. <laughs> Peter, we need verification, we need verification. on the flying ants. Yes. This happens. <laughs> Can you give a visual confirmation <laughs> on said flying ants? <laughs> what is truth anymore? You would think with the internet, we would have so much information at our fingertips, but it's like, you do, but you don't even know if the basics are true anymore. No. If they're like, oh, this will help you. This will hurt you. Don't eat this. Drink that. You're like, are you just trying to sell me a drug? Yeah. Right? Trying yeah. to sell, everybody's trying to sell me a drug. Sell me something. They sell are. me something. They are. Yeah. But then I love the disclaimers on the on the drug commercials. <laughs> <laughs> May cause excessive diarrhea, vomiting, and your head to fall off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah, diarrhea, dizziness, vomiting. Don't operate heavy machinery. May give you kids that are ugly. I mean, it's just over and over and over and over again but you know what i now have an aversion to soft piano music okay if it starts or it's or it's like pad strings like distressful and starts talking about a political candidate and how they're no good or you have the soft piano music and they're talking about take (laughs) martholotrex 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, does the sun bother your eyes? You can take Martholla tracks and, and dial that right in. Here's the big question, though. Does Martholla tracks, though, cure frisbee finger and the prickly heat? <laughs> For those who remember the swirling eddies back in the oh, 90s. <laughs> that's good music, man. So here's this. This phenomenon supposedly, quote unquote, supposedly occurs every year in Britain. And they actually call it Flying Ant Day. That sounds intrinsically British. It does, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it? it? Like, yes. I know what we can call it. <laughs> Glenn, we could call it Flying Ant Day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be appropriate? I think it'd be jolly good. It smacks of... Total appropriateness. <laughs> no, we, we love our UK fans. This occurs because... I don't know if we have fans. Or ants. Ants, <laughs> fans, whatever. Fans. Fans. <laughs> oh, a new term for the thesaurus. Oh. Yes. So this occurs because the ants migrate to colonize. And it starts by the queen ants, young queen ants leaving, and then all of the male ants follow the queen, young queen ants. Glenn, this is a family program and you have to wax sexual again. <laughs> it's because of this compressor and the setup we've got up in oh, here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There Those we go. ants are being like, my queen's leaving. <laughs> and I'm right behind. I'm going to follow the queen on said <laughs> official ant day. What was it? Flying Ant Day. Flying Ant Day. Good Morgan. Oh, <laughs> correction. Good Flying Ant Day, old chap. <laughs> we need to create Flying Ant Day merchandise. Man, merch. Glenn, we can finally strike it rich like we we've been wanting to do. Coffee mugs, t-shirts, whole it's nine like, yards. Posters. Happy flying Ant Day. Everybody gets tired of like all the causes. You know, like, oh, this person's more disenfranchised than this one and this one. And it's like, stop, stop. The other day... Man, I feel sorry for these cashiers. They're like 16 years old, and they're like, would you like to donate? And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> I feel bad. I just don't trust the cause. No. They're like, the diabetes. And I'm like, no, they diabetes people, they, they don't even, yeah, don't even get me started. I still have to do a podcast about some nutritional things. Yes, we day. do. One day. Yes, but we go do. Ahead. Okay. Yes, we do. Back to your flying ants. Here's, here's, here's the bigger question. Does Hallmark sell Flying Ant Day greeting cards in Great Britain? I would. Peter? Peter? That is a question. We need to ask Peter. We do. We do. I want to I want to know that, Glenn. That's yeah. actually a really good yeah. question. Are there Flying Ant Day greeting cards in the UK? Anybody that's in the UK, even Aaron over there, our friend Aaron Graham. Let's make t-shirts that say Happy Flying, Flying. Ant Day. <laughs> pervert <laughs> i'm just joking well when you really study it like birds and like all sorts of things it's like it's not family friendly no what they're singing about it's no. not and now i've ruined nature for everyone <laughs> you have what's fascinating about this is the weather conditions for them to make this migration have to be just right there have to be certain conditions and that's why they all fly on the same day. I am not kidding. Okay, how is it that like ants instinctively have all this nuance and judgment and restraint? And when we were in like our youth, <laughs> we were about as clueless as people could be. I, well, I didn't it, understand girls, much less the weather. I wasn't <laughs> sitting there going, you know what? No, no, no. The humidity, the barometric pressure, according to my ant senses, 
it's off for dating. Do not date. Do not today. date. Do, do not, not date. It's bad. But <laughs> <laughs> there is a scripture verse. It's one of our favorites. It's in the Proverbs that ties into this and us. Is that a new low? <laughs> <laughs> Go to the ant, you sluggard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it is. in there. It's one of those. That it's in get, there. Uh, yeah. I've not ever heard that one preached in either. any church that I have I ever gone either. to. I haven't either. Never. Never. Dan, last edition, you really laid out some stuff that was heavy, and I took a, I had the privilege of editing it and listening to it again. And it really started to stir some things in me. And I wanted to dive into what's going on a little bit more because a lot of people right now are in the apocalyptic mindset that this is it. It's over. Mark of the Beast is coming. We're out of here. Rapture's coming. I, you know, the more I search scripture, the more I am less convinced that there's going to be a rapture the, the way that we were taught in Sunday school mm-hmm. in, in Baptist church. I'm really less convinced about that. And you know what, Glenn? It's okay not to know. Yeah. Uh, there are some things that are mysteries. the different things in Scripture. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not like, I know that the blood is sufficient. Yeah. I know that without mercy, I am like, you are like, you know, we're all done for. Totally. Right? I get that. But it's like all the nuances of, of the uh, seven underworld compartments and what everything works out to. I don't know. There are just some things that are that are mysteries. And everything that you were talking about is probably what will happen in society and with technology should the Lord decide to tarry. Yeah. And I started thinking about that a little bit. That and was this, a good title, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It, it really stirred in me uh, with the things that we're talking about today. And the things that I want to cover in a little bit more and discuss, should the Lord tarry, we're going to see massive changes in technology. We're going to see changes in the way society works. We're going to see changes in the way that money works, all the things that you talked about. This led me to consider something. Everything that occurs in our lives is based upon a template or a pattern. I started thinking about that a little bit more. And you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Yeah, I would say that's the template book. That's the template book right there. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Solomon wrote about the generations of men. He wrote about the pattern of the sun. And he wrote about the circuits of the wind. And then in verse 9, he said, "That That the thing that hath been done... It is that which shall be. Think about that for a minute. That which has been done, it will be done again, basically. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. So everything that we're experiencing, all of the turmoil in society, it may not be exactly to the letter and to the T, the way that it's happened before in the past. Yeah, but the same underlying rudiment. Same underlying rudiment, exactly. Very close similarities. And that took me to a verse that is found in the book of Romans chapter 12 at verse 2. And I'm going to quote it out of the NIV because the KJV leaves something out of it. It leaves The KJV actually leaves a mystery out of this verse. 
where Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Well, when you go to NIV, in Romans chapter 12, at verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve that what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in KJV, the King James Version, the word pattern is left out. We have certain patterns. I've never heard you recommend anything in the NIV over the KJV. This is a first. This is a first. You didn't hit your head or anything? I, I didn't, no. I, I so, didn't. all right, what is it? So basically, it's the word pattern is left out of the King James Version. The pattern. The, don't be conformed to the template or the pattern of this world. Okay, gotcha. There is a divine template. And we can see that just by looking through history. Dude, World War II, World War I. Banking, banking. Same things that we're dealing with now. There were rises of antichrists during World War I and World War II. And from my understanding, if you go back and you look at some of the evangelical, evangelical writings during that period of time, they thought that God was going to pull the plug at that time. Yeah. And I can understand why. I mean, yeah. Hitler, I mean, perfect... Yeah representation of antichrist right yeah. there you, you can't there was a lot of them a lot of mussolini yeah stalin the world was at war and then you had nuclear war or a nuclear bomb dropped at the end of it very apocalyptic you take a look let's go back to the intertestamental period of the maccabees when can you break that down for me and for the listeners? Sure, I can. There was a period of time not recorded in canon, but there is a book called the Book of Maccabees. It's in the Apocrypha. Historically very accurate book. It's not considered divinely inspired. Very good history in it, though. And a very good historian to read to compare to that book is Flavius Josephus. A very well-written historian. And there's some things that he wrote in there that will blow your mind. He's the one that talks about the animals having the ability to talk before the fall. And that's why the serpent, when it talked to Eve, really didn't take her too much by surprise because mm. that was just kind of a normal thing. But Flavius Josephus talks about the time of the Maccabees. And that's when Israel as a nation uh, was ruled over by Antiochus Epiphanes. This is where we get the story of Hanukkah from with the, uh, with the menorah. And they only had enough oil for one day on the menorah and then it turned into god miraculous miraculously changed it into eight days of of oil it just multiplied there was some geometric acceleration or divine <laughs> acceleration with that but what antiochus epiphanes did is he desecrated the temple and it's referred to as the first abomination of desolation and as you read the New Testament, we understand that when the Antichrist, the man of sin, the man of perdition is revealed, and the new temple is rebuilt, the next, the, the Antichrist of the end times, he will desecrate the temple just as Antiochus Epiphanes did. The same pattern. And do you think it's referring to a physical temple? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I have been reading reports on how they are getting very close to rebuilding the temple hmm. in Jerusalem right Cause now. Because my immediate thoughts, and a lot of times, like in times, prophetic things, it can get very tedious to me very quickly because mm -hmm. I've heard so many versions. Yeah. But when I think about it and the fact that the temple curtain was rent, 
the sacrificial system and everything that made it legitimate was pretty much disbanded because it no longer works. It no longer functions. It was all by faith. Anywho. Right. Right. So now to think that somebody's going to go up there and pour pig blood on something, I'm like, what does that do? It does nothing. It's nothing. It is nothing. But I know scripture does talk about that. So I'm not, I'm just giving off the top of my head, completely unprepared sure. stuff. So right. can you, can you flow with that? Yeah, a I can bit? flow with that a little bit. I believe God is going to pick it up where he left off for the Jewish people. Because at this point in time, they are, they've been blinded uh, to the gospel. And that was his heartbeat towards them. Yes. Very interesting. Yes. So when you start reinstituting the sacrifices, it starts bringing people back to the law and the need for salvation through Christ. Gotcha. Because they've been blinded for so long in that. And I've actually been to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem where they have all of the furniture rebuilt to put, move into the new temple when it's rebuilt. And didn't they get their, their red heifer right? Yes, they, they got that. The only thing that's missing right now is the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm. Some people think they know where that is. Ethiopia? That's where the thought is, yes, that it's, it's possibly in Ethiopia. And that's one of the things that Hitler was looking for, was the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm. Uh, same thing, some of the uh, stuff that I've read, Christopher Columbus was even in a quest for the Ark of the Covenant, and that's why one of the reasons why he came over here. He was looking for it. So, a lot of things to think about, people. There's Our world is different than we think that it is. It's very different than what we think it is. Very different. Glenn, you have... I'm peaking, peaking your, peaking your curiosity. Well, here's the thing. God could have pulled the plug at any time that we've hit these templates. They come to a climax. And I believe we're at the climax of one of the templates right See, now. See, the difference is when I listen to you go into those things, I can handle it because I know you can go, I don't know, mm -hmm. but I'm looking and I think, or I feel, or maybe I felt like the Lord may have put this on my heart. When I hear a twangy, breathy group thinker, start telling me exactly what he knows exclusively. Wah, wah, wah. I mean, just yeah. total like Pac-Man death spiral. I mean, I just, I'm like, you ruined the Bible for me, bro. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear everything that you know. And if I move slightly to the left or slightly to the right, I'm disqualified yeah. because I better get on your train. And I'm moving, I'm moving constantly. And you've been moving constantly on some things. We've had to adapt our thinking and change our thinking on a lot of things. And here's the thing, people, we don't have anything to sell. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, yeah. you, you think about that, Glenn. It may not be that normal, but it is very definitely honest. I'm like, uh, I don't know for sure. And if you come at me with your exclusive twang, with your like, and the Lord saying, <laughs> and you lay it down, and if I veer off of, your breathiness, I just, I'm not into that, bro. No, I'm not neither. into that at all. Me neither. And it doesn't mean that I don't believe in doctrine or I don't believe in this, but I'm like, dude, it, it, the thing is, there's the blood, there's his intention to save man. There's, I, And let me tell you, I don't understand how Armenians believe that they're going to flex and get things done, right? When God talks about hardening, yes, blinding, veiling uh hardening pharaoh mm -hmm. right and that whole positive negative schema and all the different theological things that you could talk about is you know and that if he didn't draw us illuminate us and grant us illumination 
we couldn't even think a thought about God. No. Lostness is truly lostness. Yeah, it is. Hmm. It is. We don't have anything to sell. And newsflash, truth is not exclusive. Not, not even flying ant merch. <laughs> okay, that's different. We'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> so we have these templates, and you take a look at them. There's patterns. And you think about it mathematically. Okay, let's just throw this out there. Mathematically, there's only a certain number of probabilities of things that could occur. Mathematically. I'm with you. Okay, and you think about how long the Earth has been in existence, how long humankind has been on the Earth. I mean, it's but a vapor compared to eternity. But there's only so many, so many different things that can be, can be done in a certain way. So I believe we're at the climax of a template where God is shaking. We've talked about that often. He's trying to get people's attention. There's things that he wants done. There's also a bit of, and I, would, I, I think it's an understatement to say a bit, but there's a great deal of anger that he's feeling. Take a look at the world on the outside with what's going on. I'm not going to wax political or anything like that, but you know, I do want to talk about abortion. I mean, the increase of abortion, that infuriates God. Just that. It's infuriating. And you look at ancient Israel. One of the things that infuriated him during the reign of King Ahab and Jezebel was the sacrifice of children, the killing of children to Baal. Yeah. And that's really kind of what we have going on today. Uh, you're talking serious, like level five brainwashing. I mean, you you can pick here in the states. You could you could pick whatever state and get your average young person, average young lady, and she might think the most empowering thing she could do is to kill her own baby or reserve mm-hmm. the right to do that. And you're like, oh my goodness, right? Yeah. I always yeah. I know this is offensive, but it's like. Glenn, I think about it, and it's not political, that's moral and mm-hmm. spiritual, that's demonic. Yeah. To sit there and go, oh man, I'm an empowered, beautiful, wonderful, merciful person if I encourage the the murder of unborn children. Ugh. You, you know, it's just yeah. not. And and I think of, if you did that to a puppy, you and I are both dog lovers. Mm-hmm. I would never hurt a dog, right? Unless it was like hurting somebody else. But it's like, if you can imagine treating a puppy like people would treat an unborn baby. They would never stand for it. They would never. But yet the cognitive dissonance, believing two contradictory beliefs at the same time. Oh, it's super hot outside. It's super cold outside. I'm going to freeze to death. I'm going to burn to death, right, at the same time. It's a lot of it's a psyop. A lot of it's conditioning. It's brainwashing. It's it's because we're not normally, everybody knows that that is immoral. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that is the most vulnerable, innocent thing on the planet of the greatest value is an unborn baby. And that's why they have to dress it up as empowering people to be able to do that. God's angry. Yeah. It infuriates him. I I think I can speak for him on that. Well, that definitely, I mean, it's scriptural. It's hard to process, though. Yeah, it is. It's hard to process. It is. God's anger. So he has the right to pull the plug right now if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because he's holy. We don't understand that. And we we can't comprehend that because our minds are so fine. We think we're so smart. No, no. no. It's goat sentience. Totally. Totally. I want to read a very popular, unpopular, that is, a very unpopular parable that I've never heard preached in church. Okay. And it ties into, should the Lord tarry? Is this one about ants as well? No, it's about dung. 
We're getting a little feedback. I don't know where it's coming from. But it's okay. Um, it's a, it's about dung. Okay. Not camel dung, like we talked about a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Jesus said, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, then if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. It's pretty heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. In this parable, the certain man who has the fig tree is God the Father. The dresser is the son. So what we see happening here is God sees this fig tree that's not bearing any fruit. It's like, okay, just take it down. It's cumber, it's cumbering the ground. Yeah, God does speak that way, and he does think that way. You're taking up space. Move out of the way. But what happens is the dresser comes in, the son, and intercedes on behalf of the fruitless fig tree. It says, hey, let's give it a little bit more time. Let's give it some more grace. Let's give it some more mercy. Let's dung this tree. I did the word study on that to see what that meant. And it's funny because dung is dung. <laughs> all right. It's, it's fertilizer. But in all these commentaries, they dress it up. Uh, well, it means casting away and all this stuff. No, it's you're, you're flinging dung. So, you know, you're nourishing it. Dung oh, it's, nourishes. It's great for a farmland. Absolutely. Like dung. Absolutely. So we hope we're dunging you today with some nourishment so that you can bear fruit. It's weird for me, Glenn, when I'm hearing you read this and I'm thinking about it, and there's almost this diversification of roles, even though we know that it's three in one mm -hmm. and it's got all that, that blends my mind, right? What are yeah. you going to do with it? And then you know that God's omniscient, omnipresent, and all those wonderful qualities, but then you see the sun, and the sun exclusively has gone through incarnation which is a permanent state. It's not a manifestation. No, not a manifestation. Jesus was not a Christophany. He nope. was not a some sort of like, um, oh, I'm a consciousness being expressed through this. No. He became forever a man. Yes. And it's interesting because he's the one that is like, yeah, yeah hold on, let's... It's in, in, I'm not saying that there's any less knowledge from God the Father. It's got to be a role issue because they're all three perfect. Right. But you notice it's almost like in, because he was tried and tested in every way that we are, because he, he knows that we need mercy. That's right? what makes him the great and, high priest. Oh, uh, okay. You're getting somewhere. You're getting yes. somewhere. Yes. Well, here's something else that I want to point out with this. And I was thinking about it because I've heard this before. It's not that Jesus opposes God and God opposes Jesus. It's not that God is this old, angry person up in the sky just wanting to rip things up and, and tear it apart. And Jesus is the kinder, gentler form of God. Right. They are the same. Right. And I don't understand. I don't. I don't either. I don't either. But they are the same. But they both have the same goal. I can, I can agree on that in this parable. Once again, the simple goat glances into the glow of the farmhouse and goes 
What's going on in there? <laughs> Both of them wanted to see the tree bring forth fruit. That's apparent. That's evident. But there's been an extension of grace and mercy because there was an intercessor. Go back to the Old Testament. There was another intercessor for the nation of Israel when God wanted to smite them. Now, this one will blow your theological mind, and there's a lot of people that argue over this. You have to go to Exodus chapter 32, verses 11 through 14. This is where Moses pleaded with God not to destroy Israel because of their idolatry. It says in verse 11, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Read the commentaries and the dissertations on this and it is, it's like the Wild West. There are those that say, well, God will never change his mind. God doesn't, it can't change his mind. There's no way that Moses could have convinced God or interceded for the people of Israel for him to change his mind. So they go into all this floofy theological speak that really doesn't make any sense when it gets down to it. But I do know this. God is not pathological. He listens to his people. He listens to the intercessors. So where I'm going with this, here we are at a point in human history we're at the, where we're at the climax of a template. God is shaking to wake people up. He's shaking because he is angry. It's a, it's a wake-up call. It's an attention getter. Could it be that maybe the Lord would tarry if we interceded hmm. for more grace? and more mercy, not to consume upon ourselves, but so that we can see that third great awakening. You know, Glenn, it's like, imagine if you will, that you were a billionaire. Okay. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) I am so there. (laughs) Let me start ordering some more equipment on Amazon. We're going to sell so much merch. Um, <laughs> Flying ant no, day merge. <laughs> uh, imagine that you're a billionaire for a moment. And then day in and day out, you you can have no lack of friends, no lack of companionship, no lack. You just got money. A man with wealth has many friends, right? Mm-hmm. And But yet you get tired of syncophants. You get tired of just yes men, yes women, people wanting a piece of you. Right. Right. Constantly. And it's all like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Over and over and over. And eventually you're just like, no, I want to see a seed bud. I want to see something with life in it. I want to issue something and see somebody that's actually authentic. I liken that in a way to trying to observe the Godhead in his allowance of our participation in his strange structure within the mystery of the Trinity, in his um, association, his 
backing off and allowing to see what we do because yes. a billionaire somebody with uh, that's the closest we can get humanly to thinking that somebody that's just they can they can buy you they can sell you they can kill you they can get your kidney if they they have enough money to do whatever they want to do and god almighty imagine that things that we would find interesting we're like oh man i've got four hours off I want to go and nap. <laughs> or, you know, I think there's a ball game on. I'm going to go and cheat on my diet and, and drink a Slurpee, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, it's the, you know, simple pleasures or whatever. But a billionaire could wax very bored very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I look in, in even the ridiculous attempt of trying to put yourself in God's shoes. That's not empathy. That's ludicrousness right but (laughs) to try to think if i was all powerful i would be bored with the tedium of syncophantism if that's a word i would be bored with people saying like acting like bots yep i would want to see what are you going to do i want to be astounded i want to see wow there's not even this much faith in all of israel Whoa, look at that. You you believe just because I said I saw you under the fig tree? Yeah, right? yeah there's exactly. Something, yeah. There's something about his allowances. I think that it, instead of it being so invigorating to our free will and our control over some sort of dynamic of achieving or grasping salvation by moral goodness or strife, I think it's got a lot more to do with God enjoying himself, watching seeds bud, watching yes. here, I give a little freedom there. What are they going to do with it? And he wants to see a little kick. Yeah, He wants to see a little passion. He wants to see where are they going to go with this? And that's why when you read the scripture and you look at it, you're like, and I feel good because I feel like a, a poo sandwich half the time. I mean, a dung sandwich? Yeah, a dung sandwich. Thank you. <laughs> dung Thank sandwich. You. Just, that was a great segue, Glenn. Fist bump. <laughs> COVID-19 <laughs> approved. Um <Up> Cheers, mate. Uh, happy happy flying out uh, day. <laughs> happy flying out day to you as well. So. But I really think you have you, you got something on there, and it's that curious thing. It's that area that I think that a lot of pastors, and we probably got a pastor listening to us, at least a couple, and it's okay to say you don't know. You've probably said it, but just feel comfortable in that. You don't have to have all the answers. No. In fact, I would listen to you more if you're like, I'm not sure. There's so many mysteries here. And what I don't want to do is the default understanding that, no, I just got to do better. I got to be more. I got to do more. And it's like, don't yeah. you get, you know, but do you, do you get that? I do. God gets bored with syncophants. I get it. And there's a lot of people that get tied up in their mind of, I want to walk the perfect will of God. They get all tied up in that. They think it's that it's just this very straight thing that if they move too far to the left in that will or too far to the right, it's going to be gloom and doom. And one of the things that I've learned from two different people, two of two different people at points in time where I had some major decisions to make in life. And this is several years apart. I asked one, it's like, what should I do? And the person I was talking to said, well, if that's what you want to do, God will bless it. He will. It wasn't sin that I wanted to do. I wanted to do something good. And He said, since it's not sin, since it's a good thing, God will bless you in whatever decision you make. There wasn't a, it wasn't like choose your own adventure and you die because you went to the wrong page. You know, you've decided to flip to page 12 instead of page 20. Right. All right. right. And then just a couple weeks. It's kind of a form of passivity. 
Really? It is. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. To sit there and get, oh, I'm so into the will of God. I need to see a sign. I've got to lay out a fleece. And I'm not coming against the fact that sometimes God speaks very specifically. But generally in life, he puts stuff into you. He put talents into you. He put drive and passion. And we bore him with syncophantic God-pleasing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that wrong to I, say that? I think it's, you understand I think, what I, I, I mean. understand exactly what you're it, saying. It's like, oh no, I got to do the right thing, and then we, we do nothing. We divorce our passions from what we want to do, right? And then we see that, whoa, this guy was a man after your own heart. You mean the murderer, the adulterer? And I'm not recommending those things. <laughs> Next Tuesday, I'm going to jot down. <laughs> Let me get my calendar real quick. <laughs> Let me see. I can pencil in a murder on. No, not to Wednesday. You good Wednesday? Can we? <laughs> maybe maybe Thursday. You understand what we're saying here? Because I've always, people are like, man, God told me the other day. And I'm like, uh, I used to think, and sometimes I think that I hear God that clearly, but I'm not quite sure. But the thing that we do have, and I see that he honors. Listen, when he was astounded with Moses, said that, whoa, the meekest man in the world, right? Yeah. And it's because he wanted to have mercy when God was like at least acting in front of Moses like he wanted to do everybody in. And I want to clarify something here because you can go the opposite direction with this as well with the word of faith view on something like this. God did, uh, Moses did not command God in this situation. Absolutely. Okay. He pleaded with him. And that's something that God has been dealing with me uh, in prayer in in approaching him of this, you know, approaching boldly does not mean going and yelling and screaming and demanding. It's kind of like parenting. Okay. If if you can watch certain parents, maybe they're new, maybe they're a little OCD, maybe they're whatever. Everybody, we got a rough walk of it, right? But you'll see a parent that's like hovering, like every no, don't do that. No, you can't do that. Okay, put put all the tinker toys back in there. Get the Lego block, and they're like. And then there's other parents that are like, no, it's playtime. Let the kid go a little nuts. Yeah. Make him clean up after it's all done. But you're not gonna like command playtime. Let that seed bud. Let that kid just do what his personality. God gave him all that crazy stuff. Train up a child in the way that they should go, not the way that you desire them to go. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I've been reading my Bible. I know we have a fancy (laughs) camera and all that, Uh but I need to go to the restroom (laughs) very quickly. This coffee's got to me. Um, Can I run? We will will take a quick break, and we will be right right back. back. Get real. We'll be soon back. So train up a child in the way that they should go, not the way that you think they should go or that the organization thinks that they should go. Unfortunately, what's happened a lot in instances of child rearing and even shepherding, it's turned into control. Mm. That's that's the bottom line is the control. There's a lot of leeway. God allows for a lot of leeway and things. I mean, not in holiness, but in the cho- in the choices that we make. So in, in lieu of using free will over and over and over and over and over about things theological, so you'll have 
the sovereign will of God versus the free will of man, right? It's almost like it's more kind of like freedom of playtime, freedom of expression, because the whole thing happened because God willed. Right. Um, Lucifer didn't sneak up on God being tempted and getting turned into Satan. and ca- That wasn't by surprise. God wasn't like, oh, my goodness, what's going on in my heaven? Right? Yeah, it wasn't the, a surprise. The temptation of Eve wasn't something. I'm writing a song about that, by the way, um, but uh, called Hydrogen. Um, but it's it, the temptation of Eve wasn't some, like, surprise, some rogue event. And I just, I don't see that there is a single rogue molecule, right? Our, one of our favorite theologians used to say that all the time. But. So is there an intersection between the will of God and the will of man, and that's how it works? By his allowance? By allowance? I, I've heard it expressed this way. It, more, than, more accurately than saying that we have free will, we have the freedom to pick out what sin we want to occupy ourselves with. That's about it. Okay. And I, I haven't got it all worked out, but when I look at it, it is a misnomer. You don't like lasso salvation like a cowboy with no. skill. No, you don't. No. Right? Not at all. I, you don't do that. And if you have some hold there, I ain't smoked a cigarette since 1973 and i haven't and i i've and i've restrained and i've i i get it and there's scriptures that would incur encourage us to moral excellence and encourage us to fear and encourage us to see that whoa if i'm this this and this then i'm not in the family right i don't understand all of it but i do understand that i am not the author of my own salvation no and that the free will issue it's got a lot to do with God's allowance and God's desire to fellowship with a non-syncophantic, sentient, moral agent within the, the parameters of his moral agency. <laughs> and I think we've taken moral agency to mean a lot more than we think. We think we're a lot more powerful than we are. Yeah. And um, so it's kind of rigged, but then there's... Um, an allowance, an allowance, expression, and there are examples of that in scripture. And there's very one very odd one that I want to use. And we probably ticked off the whole world. We probably did. That's, <laughs> that's okay. That's that that's that's fine. I believe so. Tying this all into somewhat of a kind of looks like the Christmas presents I wrap. <laughs> okay, you've seen them. It's horrible with a somewhat of a bow on top. I believe and I think <laughs> that right now God is waiting to see what we are going to do. I do know that the wrong answer, there is a wrong answer to this, is we will defeat these things and we will rise as a people against all of these things that are going on that are causing us trouble in the world right now. The position needs to be different. It needs to be on our knees. Oh, God, spare us. Give us more time. That's what I believe, and that's what I'm feeling right now. He's waiting to see what we're going to do, especially those who claim to be the church. And it's really a good thing right now. We've talked about this before, that most churches are shut down right now to give that space so that people can hear the voice of the Lord rather than just depending upon and leaning upon the voice of one person in a pulpit. Mm. All right. So here's a very 
unusual example of God delaying judgment because of intercession. King Ahab. When we were in the cult den, we were erroneously taught that God only hears the prayers of those who are saved. That is bail crap. <laughs> With a capital B and a capital C. Bail crap. All right. God hears the intercessions of everyone if it's in the right heart attitude towards him. King Ahab, probably one of the most vile, wickedest men that ever walked the face of the earth. And I'm not just saying that because of my opinion. It's actually written in scripture. Uh, in 2 Kings, I forget uh, which which chapter it is, but I'm going to start at, at verse 25 where it talks about King Ahab. But there was none like unto Ahab. Usually in scripture, this starts out pretty good. Oh, there was none like this great faith which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. This is what he did. And he did very abominably in following idols according to all things as did the Amorites whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Well, Ahab, after he had committed great sin, I believe it was of murdering the murder of Naboth for the vineyard, for the piece of land. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words spoken by the prophet Elijah, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Hmm. So because Ahab went into intercession, in a posture of humility, the, the rending of his clothes, the sackcloth, the ashes, God's like, okay, I could, I'm, I have every right to pull the plug right now and execute judgment on you and your family, but because you've positioned yourself before me humbly, I'm going to hold off on that. Mm. Even though you are the most wicked, vile man that is walking the face of the earth right now. It's interesting, and because it talked about the origin of the wickedness of where it, who stirred him up, and it was Jezebel. Ahab was weak. He was. And he was stirred up. And he was even a sycophant. In that, he was a sycophant. And so in his passivity and his weakness, he allowed this wicked woman to to like stir all this, this evil. Notice, I don't think there's anything merciful written toward Jezebel. No, there's not. Even when Jehu arrived at the palace and she was thrown off of the... Tower, tower by yeah. the by the eunuchs he went in to eat and he's like you know what i'm going to be merciful to jezebel and i'm going to go collect her body and you know she was a queen we're going to put her you know bury her properly well by the time they had gotten out there the dogs the dogs, ate her. <laughs> Let the dogs, dogs out. out oh, oh. <laughs> matt got her <laughs> that's very but there was nothing merciful to her hmm. at all but to ahab Pre-adventure, though, ooh, big Sunday school term. Pre-adventure, if she humbled herself before the Lord, yeah. it could have happened. There is hope for everyone if they humble themselves before the Lord. But the takeaway that I want our listeners to go away with today is that we, I believe, I think, we are at a point in time, a template, a point in the template where there's a climax where God's waiting to see what we're going to do. 
and then it's going to go from there. It could be possible that the Lord will tarry if we humble ourselves before the Lord. Or if we rise up in arrogance and say that we're going to build some better towers than the ones that were toppled down and stick a big finger up in the sky, it could turn out a whole lot different. It really could. It's, I think it's very hopeful, like in the sense of we all take part in Ahab's weakness, mm-hmm. right? We, we can Absolutely. all want to be like, oh, I'm strong. I'm not influenced by the beast, by the television, by the propaganda, by the lust of my flesh, by pornography, by advertising, by drugs, by the everything, right, that tries to draw us, that whole Jezebel spirit, right? Yeah. It's the beast. And when you sit there and you look and you're like, Oh, God has mercy upon my weakness. It's interesting. Something to think about. Yeah, big time. Well, uh, like you said, like there's a lot going on underneath the surface. There's a lot of weird things that are going on. There's a lot of weird things going on between us and China. Yes. Right now, I believe we're probably as close to war as we could be without being at actual war. And I'm not being political. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, okay. A lot of stuff's going on beneath the surface. Some of it is the normal election year escalation yeah, it is. that yeah. we get. A lot of it is fake. A lot of it is narratives. A lot of it's communism. A bunch of Marxists trying to, you know, just stir up trouble and in the name of things that are good. And so there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, but there, we're at a crossroads, and and uh, just. God wants us to bud and to grow and to move his direction, you know, and um, there's mercy upon weakness and there's mercy upon failure and there's mercy. You're not going to lasso salvation. You're not going to lasso it with good conduct. You're not going to, not going to do any of that. And Glenn and I talk about that a lot because we are in a cult that it really generated both those things. It's like it talked about grace, but it puts you underneath the consternation of performance yep. anxiety continually. Totally. And it, it will kind of refine your theology to sit there and go, let's take them both to the end. One of the best things that you can do theologically, take something to the end, right? Accelerate it. Um, if you're sitting there and you think that, whoa, I'm behaving myself like this, that, and the other, and this and that. Man, if I were to just give you $5 million, you'd fall, right? Or if I were to give you um, two days off instead of one per week, you'd probably be an adulterer. I mean, you name it, Glenn, and we think we're strong when we're absolutely weak. We are. And um, that's some good stuff, man. One of the first things that Dan... kind of had me on the ants. (laughs) One of the first things that Dan ever said to me when we came back together again after being in school together, when you lived with me at the apartment... Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you told me after a few days of observing me is, Glenn, probably one of the best things for you that will happen to you is when you just fall on your face in sin. I said that. You said that. You said that. And I was like, oh, I, that ain't going to happen. You know, I was totally do right. <laughs> and it took about 10, yeah, about 10, 10 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> 10 years to be at that point and living about 10 years in that to come out onto this side where I wouldn't say that I have understanding, but I have clarity. Yeah. No. I have better clarity. There is a sobriety, which I want to do a podcast on sobriety, not about alcohol, and um, but just about 
sobriety, when you take something and accelerate it to the end mentally, it doesn't mean that you just go crazy in life and ruin yourself, but it means just follow the steps, get into it in your mind and take it to an extreme, right? And it can yield a sobriety. Yeah. When somebody has suffered a lot or when they've seen life or death face to face, they get tempered, they get seasoned. There's something about sobriety. There's something, they're not so quick, not so harsh and um, reactive and just, oh, I got all the answers. Not so utopian. Yeah. Even in their Christian walk, they sit there and go, God's merciful. How many times have I messed up really, really badly? Yeah. How many times have I been tempted and I've fallen? And you sit there and then go, and then that, that I don't know, I, I just... It's pretty heavy. I feel like I'm over my head in some of the subject matter, but it's um, God is good and merciful. Uh, I appreciate your words, Glenn. Thank you. He's waiting to see what we're going to do. People, if you got any questions, want to reach out to us, you can do so at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com, or you can check out our super cool website at lithoscry.com. <laughs> Peace out and rock on, people. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> lithoscry.com.